Would you pray with me? Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Finding love. And before we start talking about love, it would be good to start with clarifying what do we mean by love? It's often considered to be synonymous with attraction or desire. When someone talks about loving someone or something, they usually might mean that they find it very desirable, whether it's another person, a movie, or even a dessert. It's something or someone that they want more of. Consequently, when we seek love, we often look for ways to make ourselves more desirable to others by becoming more attractive or wealthier or influential in some way. This line of thinking has led many to feelings of disillusionment. Investing amount, large amounts of uh, time, energy, and money into becoming socially desirable often does not culminate in the kind of satisfaction that a person hopes for when they think of receiving love. There is an innate need that we all need to be loved, but it's, we seem to confuse certain characteristics or consequences of love with a full, deeper understanding of what love truly is and what we are really searching for. Interestingly, this confusion seems to be something that we aren't born with, but we develop into adulthood after early childhood. When I pose the question to adults, uh, which is more important to you, to be admired or desired or to be loved, there's usually a, a pause as I think about it carefully to think of the difference between those two things and if this is really a trick question. Uh, they really don't see much of a difference between being desired or being loved. However, when I ask children, even this morning, when I ask kids this question, they immediately blurt out to be loved is what's most important. They blurt it out as if it's a silly question, since the answer is obvious. And likewise, when I've discussed this question with older adults who have had a lifetime of experiences, they also don't hesitate to declare that love is the most important goal. But they don't consider it a silly question because they've had to rediscover their answer through their own life experiences. Love is something that is very valuable to us, and I might even go so far as to say that it's vital to our existence, yet we seem to find it elusive and, and difficult to understand. Experiments have been done over the years on humans and primates that have demonstrated the necessity of love and affection for infants in particular. Infants that are denied affection develop mental, physical, and emotional problems that are carried into their adulthood, and some have even died. Although we may hope to cope with a deficiency of love in our lives, as we grow into adulthood, we can't clearly flourish as well as we could if we were blessed with loving families and communities. This morning's passage from the Apostle Paul to the church houses in Corinth starts with highlighting the importance of love. In the preceding chapter, in chapter 12, Paul talked about various spiritual gifts 
and how each one was important to the entire community. But here, in the beginning of chapter 13, Paul claims that these gifts are useless without love. He highlights the most popular gifts in the Corinthian church at the time, the speaking in tongues, prophecy, wisdom, knowledge, faith, and endurance of both physical suffering and self-denial. Many attributes that are considered valuable in today's culture. And he describes them as a waste of time and energy if they aren't being done with love as well. Those characteristics that we might pursue in order to be valued or more admired are useless if they aren't done in an attitude of love. You may have noticed that love is not counted as one of the gifts of the Spirit. Love is offered by God, but love is not something that God gives to one person more than another, or even ever withhold, withheld by God. Love is the soil or the substrate from which all the other gifts form and grow, and it's available within us, within our own created being as well. Our own created being that we offer up to God and others however we desire. The nature of God is characterized by love, and each of us are created in that same image with a capacity to share the love with which we have been created. Expressing our gifts without love is like trying to make a pizza without dough. We add sauce and cheese and wonderful toppings to the pan, but if we start, if we don't start putting the dough in first, it just comes out like a useless mess. Paul tells us that everything we do must come from a foundation of love. But if love is more than desire, what exactly is it? In the second part of today's passage, Paul helps explain what he means by love. There are several different words in the ancient Greek language that Paul wrote in, in which we translate into love, such as eros, philia, philantia. There are all more specific types of love, such as romantic love, or the love of friends, or self-love. The word that Paul uses in this passage is agape, which has been defined as a warm regard for or an interest in another person. Agape is the same word which has been translated in love, as love, in the gospel teachings that tell us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and even to love our enemies. Paul explains that agape love is characterized by patience and kindness, and he refines what it means by telling us what it is not. It isn't envious, boastful, arrogant, or rude, and it doesn't insist on having its own way. It isn't irritable or resentful, and it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Notice that there's nothing in this explanation that talks about being desirable or admirable. With this definition of love, I can see how really it might be possible to love an enemy. That is, I can see how it would be possible to be patient and kind to a person that is acting like an enemy to us. I may not like how they're treating me, but I could be patient with them, show them kindness, and avoid being boastful 
unsociable and envious and arrogant and rude and irritable and resentful. This may take great self-control, but it's not impossible. On the other hand, trying to think of an enemy as desirable or admirable is really impractical. That does not make sense. Paul goes on to say that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I think this statement is true, but I also think that it merits clarification. to believe in the best intentions while abstaining from subjecting ourselves to violence and maltreatment. An important aspect of love is self-care and self-respect because allowing oneself to be mistreated simply enables destructive behaviors in other people which damages their relationship with God while fostering false notions of us being unlovable. True love does not tear down, but builds up, as Paul says in chapter 8. It results in better relationships with each other and with God. So giving a friend a second chance to restore a relationship would be consistent with agape. But accommodating injustices to placate a friend would not. In the third part of this passage, Paul compares love to other valuable gifts to other virtues as well. He starts by stating that unlike the other virtues, love never ends. Prophecies that either challenge systematic injustices or predict future events will come to an end. As the future unfolds, justice will prevail and there will eventually be an end to time itself. Similarly, there's an assumption that all languages will eventually be understood and everything will be completely known. This passage reflects Paul's understanding of Paul's eschatology, or the end times, when we all live in God's kingdom, where everything is complete. He expects the transition from this life to the eternal life will result in a kind of developmental transformation similar to what he experienced when growing up from childhood to adulthood. Just as he spoke and thought and reasoned one way as a child, yet differently as an adult, he expects to experience a transformation that will allow him to be different when he transitions from this realm to the eternal realm. Paul had mystical experiences which he did not fully understand. But he expects to see things clearly when he leaves his earthly life behind to be with Christ in heaven. Likewise, he felt there was much more to himself that he didn't understand. But he had the faith that God fully knew him and that he would eventually be able to perceive those truths which he couldn't grasp before in his own time in the eternal realm. In that end time, all things will be completed and come to an end. But love, the eternal activity between God and God's self, and God's self in all creation, is infinite. It would never cease. Here on our earthly journeys, faith, hope, and love are considered essential for the Christian community. And Paul tells us that the greatest of these three is love.
Notice how love always involves more than one entity, either a person or God. Love can't be held by a single individual, but requires at least one or the person or God in order to come into existence. Yet the effects of love can be received and cherished by everyone involved. I once worked with a person who had a tagline in their email signature that said, people may forget what you said or did, but they will always remember how you made them feel. The love that Paul is talking about in this letter to the Corinthians is not a feeling, but an action that gives rise to certain feelings, which are vital to the human experience. As we noted earlier, problems seem to arise when we try to create those feelings through misguided actions. Paul, however, teaches us through his letter to the Corinthians how to experience the feelings of love by practicing the behaviors of love. Interestingly, we find that cultivating love is accomplished by loving others. In other words, it's through giving love that we receive love. One of those unique characteristics of love is that by seeking the good of others, we can find goodness in our own lives, which encourages us to love even more. This positive feedback loop encourages us to spread love around us so that we experience more love in our own lives. And rather than thinking of love as a finite resource with a limited supply, it's more useful to consider love as an infinite force that gains strength the more that it's used. The more we love, the more we experience love in our own lives and gain the confidence and encouragement to love even more. Of course, our gestures are not always received the way we hope. Sometimes we encounter people who are having a bad day or individuals who have suffered from a long absence of love in their life. This can be disheartening. And Paul tells us to deal with it by being patient and kind in those times. Eventually, our efforts will pay off and we will all experience the abundance of love, of God's love, especially from those who we have had the most patience with. So I encourage you to consciously practice loving others in the ways that Paul explains love. Consistently loving others not only builds stronger relationships with other people, but also develops a deeper connection to God and is the ultimate path to finding true love. Amen.